following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. This is the Forbes interview on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Bertoni. On this show, I'll do deep dive interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Good news today if for anyone who has trouble keeping up with all this Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. We have a social media master here, Ryan Holmes, the CEO and founder of Hootsuite. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Really excited to be on. So this is a great day. To, this is a very appropriate day to have you on because big news out of the social media land. Um, Facebook blew everyone away, um, blew Wall Street away, while Twitter kind of is, keeps on flailing. And right now, as we're talking, you know, Facebook's up around 5%. Twitter's down almost 13%. Facebook basically gained the market cap of uh, Twitter today. So, Ryan, let's, right now, what's happening with Twitter? Not financially, but just systemically. What's Facebook got going for it, and why is Twitter hurting? Well, you know, it's it's a really interesting time for social. I think that we as a company, Hootsuite, sit in the middle of all these social networks and and uh, talk about the benefits of them, uh, you know, each of them having their own benefits for a specific uh, brand or, or audience um, and, and a specific case. So, you know, we kind of think about ourselves as so, uh, social media Switzerland and, and have a lot of love for each one of the social networks. Um, I think Facebook has come out with some really great news today in terms of their traction and, and uh, progress as a brand. Um, WhatsApp being you know, having huge usage and, and uh, some really nice metrics there. Um, I, I think that you know I, I kind of often uh, re- really step away from getting into the specifics on on commentary on mm. uh, <laughs> any one of the, the businesses business themselves. But in terms of not saying like what you like and what you don't like, what is if as as Switzerland as your as an objective observer, what um, sure. what's like wh- why is what gets Facebook? Why is it humming right now? What, what are they what are they doing as a uh, as a social media company, not as a business that is you know hitting it hitting it hard? Well, I think that's a, that's a great question. I think that they have really skillfully navigated. Um, every single threat to you know existential threat to their business you know they've they've um, responded really well to Snapchat as it's uh, come out to the market with uh, clever product moves that they've made around Instagram, um, that which has you know had a, had a lot of commentary in the market. Uh, they've they've made sure that they uh, keep their base uh, in and engaged in Instagram, and um, you know the, the same can be said for other threats that. that horizon for them they're an incredibly nimble engineering organization they able they're able and have been able to respond to you know as i said pretty much every major threat that has come up and and figured out how they can incorporate um this functionality into their product and as they incorporate uh, you know all of these different functionalities in that other people kind of innovate 
they've also been able to do that without bloating uh, their product and, and offering out too much. And so they've had a, a really nice balance of, of um, innovation, uh, integration, and then and then kind of focus on different areas where where they, they you know Messenger, for example, they split out a couple of years ago, um, and, and at the time people were kind of scratching their head why they did that, and now it, it kind of really becomes clear it is its own product, and it makes sense to have it as a as a standalone product because there's a depth of functionality there that's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, and if David Mark, we know David Mark as well at Forbes, and he's a he's a, a great guy at the helm and really an entrepreneur inside of a, a larger company. So it's uh, it's fascinating how uh, Zuck has these great generals um, heading up, whether it's Systrom or. Uh, the Ayan or, uh, or Marcus kind of heading up his own products. It's very interesting. It's kind of a conglomerate in a way these days. I agree. I, I think that that's, um, there's something really to be said for that. Having uh, a real entrepreneurial culture, um, you know, we've made a number of acquisitions over the years. And uh, it, it's a, it, for me, you know, I, I find it really interesting to see how um, the entrepreneurs within uh, our bigger organization, you know, we're, we're now over a thousand people, which is, you know, it's not Facebook scale, but it's getting there. It's a lot of people. Um, and, and, you know, I find that the entrepreneurs that, that come in, um, are, are some of the best leaders within, you know, the areas that they're working on because they have that scrappy nature. Uh, they're very results oriented and, and, uh, have, have kind of had battles on their own and, and experiences on their own. So when they bring that into an organization, I think it, it really helps uh, be a force multiplier. And I think, you know, you see that with some of the leaders you mentioned at Facebook. And outside of Facebook, what in the market is exciting you? What, what trends in social media, um, get you guys going and, you know, do you have any cool predict, what do you see coming in the next year that's getting, you know, everyone excited? Well, they're, they're the big waves that, that we're seeing, you know, and, and these big waves, you know, historically we saw mobile as changing the world of business. We saw social changing the world of business and consumer. Um, it, those are, are still kind of uh, pushing their way through the system. And then what are the big waves that are coming up? You know, AI, Bots, I kind of lump those into one category. They're, you know, they are are different in many ways, but they are going to change the face of business and, and consumer relationships and with business. Uh, VR, AR. Um, I think it's further out still. I think there's a lot of, you know, we're kind of in the penny farthing era of uh, AR and VR. Um, it's going to be a number of years until we really get the fully developed uh, uh, systems on what that's going to look like. But that will change uh, consumer behavior and experiences. I think I think bots and AI are on the, the nearer horizon. Uh, we're seeing a lot of brands that are thinking about how they can use and integrate bots and AI uh, into their, their stack and and customer experience, um, you know, for for brands that get millions of mentions, uh, you know, a day, a week, a month, whatever, whatever it is, uh, that's a really hard thing to to manage from a you know a scalable human perspective. And so I think that in the next couple of years, that's going to become uh, more and more uh, used in business. And um, and thinking about how you can kind of use that as your first uh, round of defense and, and contact with uh, with customers, and then have that intelligently routed uh, to to humans to help manage once you kind of determine what um, you know where where they can best be routed in, in into the business. What are you guys at, at Hootsuite doing um, in terms of these bots in AI? What's what's the the play? 
So we have a platform strategy, and uh, you know, with that, we've 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 been running our platform for a number of years now. We have uh, a couple of hundred integrations uh, with a whole bunch of different uh, partners in in our ecosystem. Uh, things from sentiment analysis to insights. Um, and we see that you know, our belief is that there are going to be a number of people creating bot and AI solutions out there. Uh, we we want to incorporate those solutions into our ecosystem so that our customers can choose the one that's the right one for them. Uh, I don't, you know, I I don't want to be, uh, I want to be humble and say that I don't believe that uh, ourselves or anybody is going to create the single best bot that will cover everybody in the world. And so uh, I believe that there. Are going to be a lot of really smart people that are going to create a lot of really great bots um, that will be bespoke and that certain brands will want to use. There's probably going to be a, a bot that works well for you know Australian customers in in the retail space, and there'll be a bot that works really well for uh, CPG in in uh, Europe. Or you know it it really will depend. And so we want to let the market solve those uh, problems, and we want to uh, allow for an ecosystem where people can can deploy their bots into. And so. Uh, that will be something that you start to see more and more of. We're actually, uh, as of uh, today, we're launching our partner uh, portal that will allow developer and partners to get into um, to to work with us even even more easily than they have in the past. And uh, so that's you know, as I said, a big part of our strategy. That's good. Yeah, you build a platform and let everyone else uh, you know build, build on top of it. It's it's you can just sit back in a hammock and just relax. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish it was that easy. No, we, yeah, we we do a lot of work. I mean, the platform play, I think, is hugely strategic. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, a big part of the success of Amazon, Salesforce, Apple, um, and, and and it's something that we're really passionate about. But, you know, you got to, we have to work really hard to, to prevent, you know, to, to prov- um, provide the best experience for developers and partners. And we have to create a way for them to be able to really monetize and and create an amazing business on top of our platform. And uh, you know, unless we're successful at at helping them be successful, it's a non-starter. It's just not going to happen. So we're putting a lot of focus into how we can create a vibrant ecosystem, uh, so developers can build really easily, and then on top of that, uh, so that businesses can monetize and and create great businesses uh, with us. And we're taking a quick break to say this show is brought. Brought to you by the Business Platinum Card from American Express. However you move your business forward with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. You just wrote a, a great social media book. I want to get to that. But before, take us back to the origin of Hootsuite. I mean, you guys found you founded it or evolved, I guess, would to say, in 2008, which is really early in the social media game. I'd love to kind of hear how you came across this idea and um, you know what that was like. Because you know, in 10 years, might as well be uh, 100 years. Just how much it changes. This changes every six months. It feels like. Um, I'd love to hear about uh, the the start of this. Yeah. So I founded an agency in 2000. And uh, with that agency, it was a digital services agency, kind of followed the uh, evolution of the consumer internet. So, uh, you know, a lot of businesses' first problem was, you know, how do I get online? How do I build a website? We started, you know, in web. Uh, Then the next problem was promotion. How do I get, you know, results in Google and search? So we, we... 
expanded our practice into that, uh, and then we we kind of found ourselves at the at the wave of social, and we found that a lot of our customers were asking us to help them get on social, how to how to, to engage with customers on social, and so we we looked at that problem and we started helping them campaigning on Twitter as, as a service in the business, and we, we realized really quickly that there wasn't really a good tool to manage uh, social and for multiple team members, multiple brands. And so we looked at that problem. And uh, as we looked at the marketplace, there were a number of tools out there. There was you know, probably five, six, seven tools that were helping people manage social. And we, and we didn't really think any of them solved the problem that we had and that other people were going to have. So we wireframed, launched out uh, a real skinny MVP uh, about a month later. And uh, MVP for you know listeners that don't know, minimal viable product. So it's the bare bones product that you're embarrassed to put out the door. Uh, and, and we did that and we found really quickly that, that people were starting to use it and it had an almost viral uh, adoption. So people were sharing on Twitter and on Facebook their, their usage of it and uh, it grew really quickly. Um, and so we knew we were kind of on to something there. And, and so the, the you know, initial product is, is uh, you know, we've evolved it so much over the past few years. Uh, we've got 16 million customers globally, uh, 830 of uh, Fortune 1000 uh, using our product. And, and we've evolved into the enterprise in a really big way. We just uh, were announced as a, a leader in the Forrester uh, enterprise way for our category. And uh, so we're really, you know, just building, uh, you know, from uh, our small, medium business roots and, and really servicing uh, big enterprise now as well. And it, it's, a, it's a, a pretty exciting thing to see that evolution as a business. Yeah, it's a big change. And what was when you first started? What was the social media landscape? I mean, it sounds like it was. You know, I was, I'm trying to think back almost ten years now. It was Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter, but they were very young. I'm sure relatively small. I mean, I don't even know if Facebook even had ads back then. What was what was it like then? Yeah, so you know, Twitter was uh, about a year and a half, of two years old, and uh, you know, so they were. I, I, I think you might want to call it drinking from the fire hose. There was just so much going on at Twitter. Um, you know, they knew they had, you know, invented something that was going to change the world. And, um, you know, I think as as that platform evolved, they they started with an an API approach and a, and a partner friendly approach, uh, putting the APIs out for the world for people to build into them. Um, and uh, it was a very exciting time. And and so you know we continued to evolve our product, and it was almost like a Cambrian era. Um, there were a lot of different approaches and concepts. There were people that were building image services. There were people building all these services. And, um, you know, as Twitter evolved and matured over the years, uh, they kind of started to think about uh, what, we, what they needed to have that was core to their business and what they could let the ecosystem provide. And I think as they kind of started to figure out some of their scale issues, then it kind of was, okay, let's look at business now. Let's look at what's going on with the business and, and think about um, what we need to own ourselves. And, and so there was an evolution in, in partner relationships and API relationships. Uh, some of the stuff they, they had to obviously own and, and others they, they were happy to let the ecosystem solve. Um, you know, Facebook has has uh, been a fantastic partner for us. Uh, we we you know integrated into Facebook. They were very early in ads at that point, um, and their ads business has just 
evolved and matured in such a big way. You know, they really have figured out and cracked the nut on on um, what is important for advertisers. And I think that the demographic information, you know, I've, I've I started my first business when I was 16. I've had it was a paintball company. I had a restaurant, and then I started my small agency. You had a paintball and, company. Were you making were you making paint paintballs or guns or we we I, I had a paintball field. I, I would rent paintball equipment. We had a course set up. It was my my first my mini MBA, and I started <laughs> in high school. Um, the point being on all of these small businesses is I you know you you wear all the hats when you're a small business owner. You're the marketer, the salesperson. You're the ops person you, you do it all and and as a as somebody that's been a marketer for a small business I look at what is available today through uh, Facebook, and it is the holy grail. You can you can target people with certain interests, age category, demographics. You know all of these things. You know I I, I started I was putting brochures under windshield wipers, hmm. and and like that's the lowest level of sophistication you can get yeah. in terms of marketing and advertising. That's a, it's like a shock end. Now this is what you can do these days with Facebook advertising is absolute change business. I would be so excited to be doing a small business today given the amount of data and the focus that you can get uh, with, with Facebook advertising. And it really is the holy grail. So that, you know, with all the data that people are, are volunteering into Facebook around interests and you know what they're doing in their daily lives it has such a huge benefit to the advertiser because they can then you know provide that information back to really target in and and give people high return on their advertising investment and how do you how do you keep up with with the whole this you keep on mentioning evolution and it's so true it changes so it's changes so fast and it's funny you said you know you were found you guys were founded in 2008 and that's the same year i actually joined forbes and thinking back to Forbes then, I was working on you know the magazine side. And then down the street, we had the website. And they had a big wall between us um, communication-wise because they wanted the, the two to evolve on their own. And they were worried that the magazine would uh, cannibalize the website. And then we slowly moved. to We had one person. Their job was to take a few magazine stories and digitize them and put them on the web. Um, and this was, by the way, we were advanced then too. It wasn't like we were we were kind of on the forefront. But it's very interesting how it's changed. And now I look up and we have you know, entire desks and teams of social media and every time there's a new platform, we add a new person. It's, it's fascinating how fast this has changed, just the whole media landscape. What do you do? How do you stay smart and everything? Well, you know, I, I, and, and I mean, congratulations to Ford for, you know, going through this uh, digital transformation so many businesses are seeing there is you know I, I go and I talk with leaders at, at all sorts of different companies financial services a, a huge customer base that we have and I go and talk with leaders in, in these companies and they're thinking about you know what's going on with their workforce what's going on with the future of consumers etc 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 and and you know there is so much evolution and transformation that's happening right now and so many businesses realize that they need to make the leap you know a couple of big trends that that I like to point out in this year online uh, advertising has surpassed every other category of advertising um, it's now bigger television advertising was until this year the the big gorilla and it, and it's now flipped over so the combination of Google uh, Facebook uh, and a long tail of others is now greater revenue than than uh, you know any other medium so that's a huge change and shift uh, I'd say there's also some big demographic changes that are happening you know, we're seeing Millennials 
Nationals in uh, in this year. So they, since 2011, they've been the biggest cohort in the workforce. So that means they're not just our employees, they're also our customers. And in this year, they now have the biggest consumer wallet. And so that really changes the relationship with businesses. So there is a, a huge transformation that's going on, um, and and businesses that you know Forbes made the made the jump, and and there are so many other businesses that uh, you know whether they're being forced to or they want to be ahead of it mm-hmm. uh, are, are getting there. And um, and so this is really challenging a lot of leaders to understand what's going on. You know, if this was 1999 or 2000, we'd be talking about whether you need to have a website or email. And and we know that if you don't have that in this day and age, you're kind of a dinosaur, and you're and you're gonna you know your business will sunset. Probably already has sunsetted in this case if you don't have a website. Absolutely. And and now we're you know the, there's this this next wave of social. Um, and and uh, a whole bunch of other things that are coming along with that. And so, how do I stay informed on this? You know, I talk to a lot of leaders. I I <laughs> I am in social every day, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that is where I get a lot of news and information. Uh, I I you know curate lists of people that I think are going to be interesting around specific areas, uh, and I have conversations there. And I just get deep on on specific areas that I think are going to be really important to our business down the road. And just a quick break to say business can be done from anywhere, in the palm of your hand and at the source. However you move your business forward with Business Platinum, it's not about where you are. It's about where you want to take your business next. And nothing helps you like the resources and know-how of the Business Platinum card, backed by the service and security of American Express. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents when it happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn it, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. In mentioning these business leaders, you just authored a book called The $4 Billion Tweet. Um, I should write a book called The Four Cent Tweet with, with my influence. But, um, <laughs> you know, so you've written, as you said, it's a guide for leaders in getting, you know, into the social media game. Give me a few, well, let's start off. Who is really good as a, as a kind of corporate or a founder with who, who are the all-stars in social media? Obviously, people outside of social media. Well, it's a great question. You know, I think that um, so many people just as, as kind of the uh, original gangster of, of uh, social and thought leadership, you know, Richard Branson, everybody, if they're going to do well and build their own personal brand – uh, they would they would reference uh, Richard Branson, and he has done an amazing job um, at at management of social. By the way, Richard Branson is a good friend of Forbes. We had had him at our under thirty summit, and we just did a, a podcast, not with him, but of his uh, panel a few weeks ago. 
I mean, from a few years ago. Does Richard Branson do his own social, or does he have a whole kind of social team that helps you know curate this and, and build and, and write? Richard Branson has a team, and yeah. I, you know, I think that there is a, a component of social that that you can get help with, and there's a component that you need to personally own and manage. And I, I don't think there's any shame in that. I think that that is something that uh, you know a, a lot of leaders do and look at. Um, I think that he has done a really good job, uh, you know, with his team of of presenting what is kind of a, a solid and consistent brand, mm-hmm. um, and then he picks moments in time where he wants to invest uh you know his capital you you effectively as you build an audience and a and a followership in in social you're building capital and and at at certain points you want to direct attention to certain things that you think are important to your business or as causes and and um that is you know a a big point a lot of people think about it as you know this is going to be a selling tool it's not so much you know a selling tool as as a, an investment in a media and you know people want to know what's going on with Richard Branson a lot more than they want to know what's going on with Virgin they want to get into Richard Branson's head not into say Virgin's head and so there's a really interesting thing where leaders can get into places that uh, a traditional brand or their business can't get into in terms of sharing of content and I think that's one of the big benefits um, you know, other leaders that are doing a great job, Arianna Huffington doing a fantastic job on social. And I'd also say Elon Musk. He, I mean, you look at what he's doing. He is uh, really clever with how he engages on people in social, how he listens to what they're saying um, and often adopts uh, the, the things that they suggest into his business. And in some ways, like at breakneck speed, uh, there was um, an influencer, Louis Lemaire, who's a friend. Uh, he talked to Elon uh, on Twitter, mm-hmm. sent a tweet out about their high-speed charging stations and how people were using them as parking spots. And within 24 hours, they'd, they'd put a policy together. Uh, they'd put rates against uh, cars that are parked for too long. And, and uh, that was an amazing example of, of social media leadership. Um, but, you know, he's also using it to share a lot behind the scenes of a lot of the things that he's doing. Um, you know, and, and then I guess I'd, I'd get back to um, the, the title of the book, The $4 Billion Tweet. And the $4 billion tweet is in reference uh, to a tweet that Donald Trump um, made towards Lockheed Martin about uh, cost overruns in their uh, jet fighter yep. uh, program. Uh, the resulting, you know, in 24 hours, the result of this uh, was effectively uh, a market cap erosion of $4 billion in, in Lockheed Martin, uh, $35 million a character. And five percent of the company's value, <laughs> and and so you know the, the it's it's a you know a thought provoking title that I, I when I go and talk to leaders I ask them you know if Donald Trump tweeted at your company today uh, would you be prepared to respond have you have you built up the the social DNA uh, the skills it would take and you know it's not just it's not just Donald Trump. It might be an influencer. It might be a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And it might just be uh, you know, an everyday person that just creates a video that goes viral. And the whole point being that is if you're not building the DNA around this today, you, you are going to get threatened. Um, you're, you have the threat of becoming a dinosaur. Uh, your competitors are going to be in social. They're going to be building their DNA. And they're going to eat your lunch if you don't understand and, and build this uh, into your organization. By the way, would, and, you say, uh, would you say Donald Trump is the best social media marketer ever? 
You know, love him or hate him, uh, I would say that he has. Uh, I I struggle uh, to find somebody that has leveraged social media in as an effective way as possible uh, as as Donald Trump. And um, you know, he has he has really uh, shown so many people. I think the value of of social. You know, again, whether you love him or hate him, he is he has used it in a, a very um, clever way. Uh, to to achieve uh, his goals, and um, I, I think that there, you know, I, I can't think of a, a usage that has has changed the world uh, in a way as much as uh, as he has in his usage of social. And speaking of teams, a lot of you said like Richard Branson. Many people have whole teams of people, experts that work in this. As far as we know, Trump is just Trump. Is he just has he just fi- figured this out on his own? You think, especially in the beginning. Yeah, I think that he has he's picked his weapon, which is Twitter, and uh, he focuses on that. You know, you don't see him on other channels. Uh, he focuses on that. It's it's a um, simple and subtle medium. You know, you think what can you say in 140 characters? You wow, can, Trump and you subtle. Can... That's pretty. That's pretty. I don't hear that much. <laughs> oh, I said the medium yes, is subtle. Yes. I didn't say Mr. <laughs> Trump was subtle. <laughs> uh, but but he has. Uh, uh, you know, found a way and found his voice there and found his audience there. And, um, you know, the, he has actually, I think, really invigorated uh, Twitter. Um, he has shown a lot of people the value of, of it and, and the power of it. And uh, he's also encouraged other people to get on. Uh, you know, uh, someone I, that I, I've had a number of meetings with now, uh, Lloyd Blankfein, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, he's featured in the book. Um, he uh, dropped me a, a letter when he uh, – an email when he got onto social media. He's like, hey, Ryan, I just got onto Twitter. Um, you know, I think it was in, in a small part due to, due to the book. And, and uh, you know, he said it, it, he's really excited to get on. And he got on in his first uh, tweet. Um, he First off, he had uh, a couple hundred thousand people just – almost instantly follow him because they were curious about what Lloyd was going to say. And uh, he, he got on and talked about his disappointment in, in, the, uh, in, in the leadership uh, pulling out of um, the, the uh, Paris Accord. Uh, but, you know, he has gone on in, in really short order to, to provide a whole bunch of, I think, really interesting and thought-provoking uh, messages on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I, as I said, Donald Trump has, has actually created a whole bunch of conversation on social. What advice did you give Lloyd Bankfine? Because it's interesting because Goldman Sachs is very, you know, it's, been, it's controversial in some circles. And it was actually one of, one of the most famous, I guess, in, at least in finance, uh, the most famous viral satire accounts was the uh, Goldman Sachs elevator, um, which mm-hmm. actually got, the, got the, the author a whole book deal and branding thing. And that had Lloyd's face on it before. So what did you tell Lloyd when there was a, you know, he was famous as a satire before the, the real person? Well, you know, I think yeah, I, I actually had a conversation with Lloyd about this uh, a couple, about a week ago. And, and he is a seasoned leader. You know, you you don't get uh, to where he's gotten to by having thin skin. And he has, um, you know, I think gone through a lot of trials in life, trials and tribulations. And um, I think that, you know, as a leader, he is looking down the road. And and, um, I think that, you know, as you get you get uh, higher up in the world, you become a bigger target for people. And, and um, 
I think that you know he he doesn't uh, spend too much time listening to the detractors. Uh, you know, in the same way that I don't think Donald Trump spends a lot of time looking at the comments on uh, on Twitter that uh, people are making. Um, you know, you if only you, he did a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you uh, you just focus on where you want to be going, and and uh, you know, I think head towards that. And I think that um, you know, Lloyd has has uh, spent uh, spent a bit of time. I think he's very thoughtful in terms of what he puts out. Um, you know, but he he's not boring. You know, he puts out stuff that that is uh, somewhat controversial. And I think that that's a, an important thing is that you know nobody wants to tune in to something that's going to be boring. If you don't have something to be additive, if you don't have an opinion, um, you're you're not going to really build a lot of following, and and uh, I don't think it's uh, it's really the spirit of social. I think that people do need to get out there and share what their thoughts are. So let's return to this four billion dollar tweet with Lockheed Martin. So Ryan, if you were the CEO of Lockheed Martin and this tweet came across your your feed. What would you do in that situation? Obviously, you have the benefit of hindsight, but how would you sure. stop that that uh, that damage? Well, uh, a year prior, <laughs> I would have started building DNA around social. I now, what does that I what does that mean? So, so I think that a lot of people, a lot of leaders, think that you know, uh, social is a checkbox, and it's something that you can give to the millennial. He's like, oh, give it, give it to the millennial. They can go and they do. They know social. They do social. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't think that's excusable anymore. Again, getting back to the you know email analogy, um, if this was ninety nine or two thousand, you know, do we need to get it on email? I know that there were a lot of CEOs for years, and there may even be some still around. Uh, whose uh, assistant would print off their emails? They'd go into the office, they'd dictate a response, and then the assistant would go and, oh, yeah. and write I, a I response. Oh yeah, I know a few. I know a few of those for sure. Right, but you you know that that's a that's a, a dying breed. Mm-hmm. I would say. Um, I think that a lot of those people are waiting for retirement. So now you know, play it forward. Um, if you think about where consumers are at. Um, how the customer journey it, it all interacts with social right now. This millennial generation that has the biggest wallet, that's born and, and grew up with this technology, uh, they're not going away. And so where do they live? You know, Are they going to call a 1-800 number to, to interact with your brand? No. They're going to go to social. Mm-hmm. They're going to engage with your brand. They're going to demand immediacy and transparency. And uh, if they don't get it, their their friends and followers are going to call you out, and you really risk a, you know a lot of um, brand value every day and not understanding this, not building the DNA. So you know whether it's social marketing, social customer support, social selling, all of these uh, social you know advocacy. If this is where the customer lifecycle lives. And um, if you're not building the DNA in your organization across all of these different organizations and departments within your organization, uh, you're, you're, you're at risk. And where the leadership part comes in is that these these departments, if they're not working in unison, if, if you say you've got a customer support team and a marketing team and a sales team um, that are all kind of independently trying to figure out social, mm-hmm. as a leader, you need to help bridge that. You need to help 
think about where people are working together. Um, and then you need to ascend. You need to think about the strategy, what you want to share with the world, the direction and vision of your business, um, whether you're private or public, you know, especially if you're public, you need to be able to share a vision of where you're going. And I think that social is the channel for that. You can create thought leadership content. You can share it on LinkedIn. You can share it in the Wall Street Journal. You can share it in the Financial Post. You can share it, of course, on Forbes. You share it all over the place. And then from there, you then you know have conversations around those those types of thought leadership content. I see. Um, and a lot of these, Ryan, a lot of this is obvious if you are a consumer company or a tech company. But take a company like Lockheed Martin, which largely makes very deadly weapons that they sell to governments and military um, institutions, not consumer. Like which customer are they trying to get to? Right. Well, look, I'd go to the. I'd look at the innovation of what they're doing. Like there are so many interesting things. They they went out to um, I think it was the uh, the Paris Air Show and showed off some of the technology that their their new uh, fighter planes are able to do. Like things that are unheard of in terms of turning and uh, thrust, acceleration, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. How interesting would it be, I, you know, not just for uh, their buyers, who I think would be hugely interested in this, but just the everyday person who wants to, you know, uh, understand what what is the envelope, where are they pushing, and where are they going with this stuff? I think that there's fascinating stories there, and I think that um, as a leader, getting in and showing and sharing some of those stories, this is what Elon Musk is doing. That is so smart. Is he's getting people like you know his uh, boring company, the boring company. Yep. If you've heard of this, it's they're basically going to get a big boring machine and bore a whole bunch of holes and tunnels underneath L.A. and and create an underground highway system, a high speed highway system. Yeah, well, that's that's the idea at least. <laughs> right, that's the idea. But now that's the hype. What do you do? It's the hype. I get it. Um, it may it may be a flop. It may be a massive success. But in sharing some of the things – so, I mean, the title itself, The Boring Company, is, yep. is super clever. But, like, it's kind of a boring company, really. Like, you're just d- drilling holes underground if you take it at that face value. But if you think about what that could do to everyday lives – like, I've been to L.A. and sat in traffic jams. And I think this could really – change and, and increase the GDP of that city because every time you got people sitting in cars they're not they're not producing they're not either recreating or creating and and they need to be doing one or the other and sitting in a car is really a waste of time so so take that that boring story and then get behind the scenes and talk about like what you're doing that can innovate what's pushing the envelope there um, I think that that is really uh, where any company, uh, even the most boring company in the world should be doing and investing in innovation. Otherwise, you're dying as a business. And uh, if you're not able to tell those stories as a leader, uh, you need to really sit down and think about where you're going and, and, and what you do have to share and what your unique story and position is in the world. Okay. And so we have a few minutes left. And let's let's pretend that I am a um, an executive who's listening to you speak right now and I'm getting really nervous about my company's social media DNA and platform and, and voice. Give me a few tips to kind of right now jumpstart um, this the marketing and kind of get going on the right track here. You know, it's, it's a great question. I mean, first off, uh, get the book. <laughs> uh, yeah, the $4 billion tweet is, is written for busy executives. I, 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 I wrote it so that you could read it in 30 minutes. It's an executive summary, mm-hmm. a quick jump start, and some high-level tips. But I'll share the, just share uh, a bunch of the pillars that I, I have outlined in the book. The first off uh, you know, is get help. 
uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they create a Twitter account, they kind of sit there and they look at it and they're like, uh oh, now what? And and it's get help. So either internally in your organization, you've got a, you know, maybe you've got that, you know, quote, uh, millennial social media whiz person. Um, do some reverse mentoring. Understand from them mm-hmm. what's interesting, uh, where you should be do- going and doing. So, so you know, if it's in your company or externally, get a, get a specialist that can help you with that. Um, secondly, I think it's figure your voice out. You know, what are you going to be talking about? This is a high level strategy. Uh, you know, what are your hashtags? What are the things that you have a great story around that you can really uh, own? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think pick your channels. So. Are you on Twitter? Why? Are you on Snapchat? Are you on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? What are your channels? And and if you really dial your channels down, um, it'll make your life easier because you know the peanut butter smear across all of them may not work for you. It may be that you pick one, you know, a la Donald Trump that you just focus on, and that's your pick one and go-to. own it. Yep. Yeah, and I, I know we're pinched for time, so I'll probably you know leave it at that. But there's you know a number of others that I would recommend for leaders that they they can get around this and and um, you know really uh, increase their confidence and and decrease their discomfort around the the downside risks. There are risks to it, but you can really mitigate the risks. And at the end of the day, uh, you know if you if you make a mistake, which is the elephant in the room for a lot of people, if you make a mistake, uh, you own it. And and the world does move on, and uh, so you know I would I would put that out there for people. The risks of not getting on social are much greater than the risks of messing up. Well, Ryan, this is great. And just a quick little teaser before you go: um, you have any any scoops for me about a, a Hoots, uh, Hootsuite uh, um, IPO? <laughs> oh, you couldn't help yourself but ask. Uh, look, yeah, we're we're really excited. As I mentioned, we we just. Uh, um, Passed over a thousand employees. We've held it pretty flat for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just building and growing the business, uh, getting a bunch of great systems in place and, and great leadership to help manage that. Um, right now, you know, we're we're scaling up uh, and and bringing on a whole bunch of fantastic team. Uh, we're very focused on building an amazing business. And um, you know, the the Forrester Wave win that I mentioned um, it, it has been. Uh, um, a really great nod to us that that the area that we're expanding and growing into is is, uh, is resonating, and uh, so right now we're just focused on helping our customers, you know, really power a human connection with their customers, and uh, that's that's you know my excitement right now. Um, you know, it, whether we do a financing event down the road, you know, we're building a, a mm-hmm. great company, and and uh, you know we'll see where that goes. Well, that sounds like early 2018 to me there. <laughs> okay, Ryan. Thank you so much. Um, this is I'm a, everyone get the book and get smarter on social. Um, I can't wait to uh, try your uh, your tricks out of my own fledgling personal brand. <laughs> Wonderful talking to you guys today. Have a great one. Right, thanks. Bye. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. If you'd like to reach us, email us at interview at podcastone.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. So Podcast One has a new app, and there's no other app like this. There you can find out everything about your favorite shows, find articles, social media episodes. You can make playlists. Download the all-new Podcast One app now in the App Store or on Google Play. Have you heard Spike's Car Radio? It's comedian, actor, writer Spike Ferriston sitting on the porch in Malibu talking with some cool people about cool cars and life in general. My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. He was all right. 
Don't try to hug him. Chris Hardwick. I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like, it was like unprotected sex for driving. Could... <laughs> Jeremy Piven. I hold you know what? I think years. you and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars, <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it. Download new episodes of Spikes Car Radio every Wednesday on the Podcast One app, or save time and subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or at PodcastOne.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.